in 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm a leader, wait, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it. I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, Bailey. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got John Vagaro with us here uh, from New Jersey and uh, excited to have you here today, John. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Nate. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Um, I'm honored to be on your podcast to talk to, you know, your uh, your listeners um, and to add as much value as I can. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Championship Leadership is the name of the podcast. What what does that mean to you when you hear that? Wow. So I'm very competitive. So when I hear a championship, right, you, what yep. it takes to be in a championship is every part of you, right? Mm-hmm. And when I think of leadership, right, leadership is, is performance through others, right? Not just yeah. yourself. Um, so when I think about championship and everything you have to do to get to a championship, and then you put leadership in the mix of it, um, both of those activities, right, are, are required of all of you to put into the people around you um, and to serve, just constantly serve. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a big practicer and, and believer. I subscribe to servant leadership. Yeah. So um, to me, I just, I, I, I hear resounding like, you know, just every ounce of the being that you, that you have in you going towards the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, man. That's, that's, that's uh spot on in my book for sure. Although we, you know, I mean, it's always been fun to hear. We've got, close to 400 episodes now and it's like every time it's just a little bit different so yeah. uh yeah but no i love how you dissected that down um so you're a competitive guy what were you an athlete growing up yeah i was i was an athlete i played football i did wrestling um yep. you know i did uh those were my and basketball those three were my main um and then i wound up this is just to show you how competitive i was i was uh on my off season for for wrestling my coach was like you got to get quicker, man. And my basketball coach told me the same thing. They're both like, you got to yeah. get quicker. Cause I'm tall. I'm six, I'm six, two. Most okay. people are like five, 10, five, nine ish. Yeah. And so they're like, you know, you're a bigger guy, you know, you, and in basketball, like, you know, I can dunk. Yeah. So in basketball, I'm throwing it down. So they were like, you should go do track and get quicker, get speed up. I want to do track, you know, uh, I think it was like, I started doing it in, uh, in middle school. Right. So I think I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And, and w- one of my track coaches was like, you should try high jump. And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I love jumping because I love dunking. Yeah. Fast forward, um, I want to 
starting to try high jump. Never wound up doing the running, by the way. So my basketball coach. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I got the school record in middle school and in high school for the, oh, wow. for the, for the top high jump. And then I went to the media champions um, and I lost by one. So my highest jump was, was six foot, uh, six foot four. Wow. That's, um, that's and the, the guy, the guy over me jumped six, six. So, you know, that to me to show you, because I, I, I didn't love high jump. Right. But I was yeah. like, I'm going to freaking get into this thing and I'm going to and I'm compete. And now I, I still hold the record at my middle and high school that I went to. Um, that's awesome. Man. Two medals from over the years. It was six, four. That's, that's a big jump. Yeah. It's a big yeah. Jump. It is, especially in high school. Um, so, wow, that's cool. Uh, what? Yeah. But you didn't run. You didn't have to do any running. You didn't want to do the running. <laughs> and also because when I started my business, I was a teenager. So by the time I was doing all this stuff, I was already, you know, had clients, had a business going. And yeah. I didn't go to college, right? So, but I could have, I could have been an athlete in college if I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, definitely. Because hitting the books was not my thing. Yeah, um, I get I'm it. I'm more of a grinder than I am the book, the book yeah. work. Well, talk to us a little bit. Um, it's a good, good time to hop into what it is you're up to and what you're doing. I know you got adapting social, um, yeah. but yeah, maybe a little bit more about your journey and path and how that's taken you to where you're at today and what you're up to today. Yeah. Listen, do, do you have a few hours? Yeah, we got some time. <laughs> I don't know about a few hours. <laughs> your, your listeners don't like get this guy off that podcast. And yeah. They're like I could barely pay attention to a two minute video. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so no, so so very quickly, and I want to go back to attention span after this being a marketer. But, yeah. Um, one of the things here, I love it. You're double fisting over there. We got an Irish. And so I had my greens and now I got my coffee. I know, right? <laughs> Looks like, what's this guy doing over here? <laughs> um, guys, Nate is drinking early in the morning. He's doing his thing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did, yeah. You but, didn't see what I put in it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know there's whiskey in there, Nate. Come on. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, just kidding. But, um, so yeah, listen, my, my story, very, very high level. You know, um, I was somebody who in school, my, my whole entire education, you know, career, I'll call it. Um, I was in remedial classes. They told me that I had a learning disability, um, that, you know, I needed help, right? So I had aids in my class. When we had to go do tests and stuff, I would go out into a different room. I always had somebody in the room with us helping me and a couple other kids that were in the room too. Um, and I, I always felt like less than, and there was a point in my life where I was in eighth grade, you know, I was doing well with, with sports and stuff. And not great in school, right? I was like an average student, like in, mm -hmm. in eighth grade, in middle school, I was not the best. I was like C, D, and maybe an F, maybe one B. Jim was probably an A. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, and my teacher came up to me, one of the aides in my classes. Um, I'll never forget. I won't mention her name, but she said to me, she pulled up and she was like, listen, she pulled me out of class. She goes, she gave me a pamphlet for vocational school. She said, John, listen, you know, I don't think you're college material. You got to start thinking about another alternate, you know, that you can do. Yeah. And I'm sitting here and I'm in eighth grade and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm, uh, I'm not, in, I'm not even in high school yet, but I guess she was trying to prep me. Right. And at the time yeah. it was a big F you to me. Right. That's kind of crazy. Eighth grade. You got me. Build. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I sat there and I remember thinking like, wow. So I went into going back to the competitive nature of me. I went into high school, right. They put me back. They put me in remedial classes in high school. Um, and I pushed the hell out of myself. And, and that year I got all A's. And I think there was like four or 500 people in my, in my grade. And I was like top 70 in a remedial wow. class. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I proved, once I proved to myself that I could do it, I was like, all right, screw it. Like, you know, I don't, school just is never for me. I don't like it. Yeah. The, the, the assignments, like the things, like I still understand like the purpose in my life, how I can make it, you know, applicable. Yeah. So anyway, I turned 17. My dad has a conversation with me and he's like, listen, you know, he's like, 
we're in a pretty tough financial pickle right now, right? And, you know, the house, you know, can go into foreclosure right now. And I was like, well, what can I do? How can I help? And, you know, so at the time I was a a beach lifeguard, you know, I was uh, worked at Best Buy and I was also working at Ruby Tuesdays, you know, here and there. And so, you know, I was like just feeding the money. I was like, I'll give them money to help do whatever I can do. And it wasn't enough because of the amount of, of financial, you know, pressure that that situation had on it um and he was in construction right so he got laid off every winter like you know around jersey when mm-hmm. there's a lot of snow you can't work yeah. outside so you know he'd get laid off from time to time and um so you know again there was times where you know food stamps and, and stuff tough situations and i'm the oldest of five so you know i i felt obligated you know to, to jump in and figure it out so i started googling like what can i do as a 17 year old to make like 50 or 70k and like you know be able to give bigger chunks of money to help here yeah Long story short, I find myself in this position where I'm Googling, right? Yeah. And then I find myself and I'm like, oh my goodness, here goes, you know, this thing and I'm here and I'm literally on, uh, you know, I'm on this position where, you know, boom, like I find website freelancer, right? And so we go from, you know, looking at these different, like the, do you know what the second highest paying job without a college degree is? What? Air no. traffic controller. Seriously? No I, was young. I was too young. You had to be 18 or over, but it's also one of the highest stress jobs. Kind of feels like you need it. You should have a degree for that. Right. But you don't need one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm looking up that, but I couldn't do that. So anyway, so I see website freelancer. Fast forward, long story short, um, uh, I found website freelance, like I said. And so I started Googling like how I could do it. I taught myself how to start coding. And then I built this website. You know, you ever hear of Groupon and Living yeah. Social, those deal websites? So I rivaled them and instead of taking every dollar from your transactions and splitting it with you, leaving you with no money, right? As yeah. a business, I was like, just pay me 15 bucks a month and advertise anything unlimited. Um, oh, wow. So I wound up getting a bunch of people on. I started to help my parents, you know, and then the first, what changed my life, it took me, by the way, Nate, three months. I had four buddies with me that were like, oh, right, we're cool. We're into this business thing, right? So we're all walking around, knocking on doors and suits and shit as 17-year-olds, yeah. a bunch of schleps. <laughs> and, and then, you know, for the first two it. weeks, we got all rejections. Middle of the winter, first two weeks, freezing outside, one buddy dropped. Yeah. Another week goes on, another buddy dropped. Then fast forward four weeks in, it's only me. Everyone's like, yeah. John, this isn't working. It took me, Nate, three months to get my first yes. Seriously. And and, I and kept you stuck doing, with it that whole time. Stuck with it. I believed in myself. I, I was like, I know I'm closer to a yes. And anyway, the first client that I got where he changed my life is he goes, do you, do you build websites too? Because I was only trying to get on my, my deal website, right? Just for, for his coupons and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, I can build a website. I was like, but I, I go, Jay, I wouldn't even know what to charge it. And he was like, listen, the last guy that, you know, that we used, he charged me a thousand dollars. So he's like, you know, if you could, if you could do it for me, you know, do a little bit less than that, you know, then I, I'll pay you to do it. So I was like, would you do like eight fifty? He's like, yeah, let's do it. Give me a check that day. Really? And you have to imagine I'm door knocking for three months and fucking rolling to this guy. Yeah, <laughs> the check, right. Leave me the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that turned my fucking soul on fire. And I, I was bet. like, oh my god. Gave the check right over. You know, cash the check. Gave it right over to my parents. And then before you know it, like I started to understand what I did differently when I walked into his door and my pitch. And then I started just doing that. Right. And mm-hmm. to remember, this is, you know, this is going back 15 years ago, this is a time where Facebook was not around for business. Instagram was not a thing. Yeah. MySpace was in. So I'm here pitching people when they didn't believe they needed websites. So yeah. 
fast forward, you know, I wound up scaling the business, you know, to, to my own point where I could do it myself. And, and I took my parents out of foreclosure. Right. And, and such to an me, awesome story. Yeah. To me, I was like, dude, let's go. And I remember I'm still in high school. I'm still like thinking about prom and <laughs> yeah. shit and, and chicks and like all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, high school graduation comes at that point, I was making some decent money for myself, you know, as, as an 18 year old, 17 year old. And I remember thinking like, damn, like, you know, do I keep doing this? Like, what, like, what, is this a real thing? Like, maybe it was just meant so that I could just you know, help my parents. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. Cause I never thought of like, you know, when she told me that, like, you're not college material. And then I started to do this. I was like, damn, like maybe she was right. Right. Like at yeah. that point, maybe I'm just going to go right into it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, high level now, you know, fast forward, you know, I started adapting social with no funding, no mentors and nothing. And this is what I want yeah. the message to be to, to leaders out there listening to this or, you know, aspiring leaders is that I was in all remedial classes, you know, um, you know, education. If you looked at me on paper, you would never think I'd be a like likely candidate to be somebody who, you know, has people, you know, um, you know, I serve clients in over 20 countries, right? We have over, you know, 40, you know, team members in adapting social. Um, you know, we, you know, I'm an investor, you know, I have a bunch of different businesses that I'm invested in. And, you know, when you look at the, the, the mold of what you think most people should be, where you go through college, you know, you get a degree and that's how you get successful in society. Like I didn't take that route and those routes are okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those routes, right? but, but for people out there who didn't take those routes or couldn't take those routes because you couldn't afford college or you weren't smart enough to go to college because your grades or whatever, or it's too tough for you. Like that doesn't mean that you, you can't be a great leader or that you can't do your own thing or can't be great in a company, right? You can be great in a company too. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, at this point right now, you know, one of the things I'll never forget is the naysayers, right? So I, my parents were super supportive. My mom didn't graduate high school. My dad has a high school degree and just went right into construction. Um, and, uh, you know, but they, one thing that they instilled in me was like, just never telling me like, you, are you sure you can do this? You, I don't think yeah. you can do it. But I had people around me, like my cousins and my friends and whatever that were like, dude, are you nuts? And I would sure. never forget. Somebody said this for me. I didn't even say this. I was at a barbecue and I was around like doctors and lawyers and attorneys. And um, this one guy was like, you know, oh, well, you know, what are you doing here? You know, where'd you go to college? I said, I didn't go to college. And he kind of he kind of like, you know, he was, he was this egotistical attorney. He goes, you know, that's you didn't go to college. Like, why, why are you at this barbecue? Because it was like this like big event for people who are pretty successful. And um, he's like, you didn't even go to college. Like, what are you doing here type thing? Like, and just straight up called me out in front of everybody. Yeah. And yeah. this one doctor that was my client that I know said, oh, he, he didn't tell you? And he goes, he has, you know, over 40 degrees. And the attorney was like, what? He's like, he just said he didn't go to college. He goes, yeah, all the degrees are working for him. And, yeah. and I was like, yeah. wow. Like, that to yeah. me in that moment was like, damn, like, but he's right, right? Like, I have, yeah. I have like over 20 master's degrees in that case. I have over, you know, you know, 20 bachelor's degrees, right? Um, and I also have some really good people who didn't do that. So yeah, anyway, in a nutshell, you know, that's the journey now, entrepreneur, father. Um, you know, I had my first child three months ago. Um, oh, my congrats, man. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I told you, Nate, I'm, I'm a talker, dude. So <laughs> I love it, me up, Nate, Let's you know? go. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Man, that's, that's an awesome story. For real. Thank you. Yeah. What was, uh, I just curious, like, I don't know. I'm th you think of myself as a parent and like, if I'm in that situation financially and then just the thought of having to have my kids help me out, number one, yeah. it might've been, 
it would have been the hard pill to swallow on top of yeah. probably the hard pill to swallow of actually like accepting money from my kids. Right. Um, just all yeah. those variables, whatever. And I'm sure maybe they had some of that going on for themselves as well. But what was that like? Was that, was there any of that or was it just, yeah, well, listen, you know, you can tell when my, when my dad came to me and started having those conversations, like his tail was between his legs, you know, sure. it's not, it's not yeah. an easy, it's not an easy conversation to have. And now having a son, like I'm working my ass off so that he's never in that position. Right. Also pretty incredible that you did that, but yeah. Thank you. But yeah. you know what though, Nate, and the one thing I want everyone to listen is that like life you know, I'm, 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 you know, a Christian, right. So I, I believe in, in God and, and stuff. And yeah. so like, for me, I'm a true believer that like life happens for you, no matter what the circumstances, the law of polarity is if there's an up, there's a down, there's negative, there's a positive, every situation. Right. And it's hard when you're in the trenches to understand the value you're getting for life experience out of situations. But I'll tell you this. So he had his tail between his legs. It was a very difficult, very difficult conversations. Um, you know, there were moments where I felt like, damn, like I have to jump in. How can I help? But then also felt like, damn, I'm working and now I'm not making any money, right? Like I'm doing all these different things. And now like, I don't have my, my cash. I'm making, go hang out with my friends or go do whatever. Um, but what I will tell you though, is, is in retrospect, like, you know, me, me and my dad have had some, some clashes, right. Over sure. the years, you know, because of things, you know, uh, alcohol related and stuff. And one of the things that I'll tell you is that in retrospect, I, I'm so thankful for that man and so thankful for those situations because yeah. what he actually gave me was a Harvard education on life. Yeah. Because in those moments, yeah, like you're like sitting there like, damn, like, you know, your father has to ask his kids or whatever, you know, and those types of things. But I had to realize at, at, at like a teenager level that like sometimes life isn't going to always be fair. Sometimes life isn't always going to be this straight and narrow path. And sometimes life you're going to need help from people, right? And yeah. so when I looked at all those different circumstances, Nate, I said, shit, but I wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast. Yeah, right. No doubt. That whole situation didn't happen. And my dad gave me this biggest blessing of my life yeah. in multiple situations because yeah. I would have just been probably a normal dude doing normal things and whatever. Right. And, you know, he forced me to have to get scrappy and to go figure out shit because of his hardships. And, yeah. you know, I'm forever grateful for that. But I mean, we well, could talk. I think there's a million leadership nuggets just in that story and that experience right there. I mean, the flip side for your dad is just not the ability to put his ego aside and uh, like be able to do that with you and go through that and have that conversation, accept your help, you know, cause I think, I think that's what great leaders will do. And I think that's like some of the not so great insecure leaders would never go to someone on their team and, and, mm -hmm. and humble themselves like that. And, no. you know, admit the faults and where they're at and, and really, you know, ask for that type of help from their team when I think the great leaders obviously would. So, right. Championship it's, not, leadership. it's not easy. And I think one of the things that I, uh, that I learned from those experiences, right? Like being able to five, even before that, that exact situation happened, you know, I had to step up as like a man in the house a lot. Yeah. So leadership started early in me, like when I was 10, Yeah. Um, you know, to the point where like I was disciplining my, my siblings because they weren't listening to my mom when my dad wasn't around. So, yeah. so in those moments, yes, I thought like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Sure. Why am I in this position? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell? Like, why did I get stuck with this, you know, dad? 
Yeah. Um, and then when I look back, I'm like, holy shit. When yeah. you look at life like that, even when you're in shitty situations, like that was the biggest blessing that it could have ever had yeah. happened to me. Absolutely. And, you know, and so um, there's a lot of leadership things that happen, you know, and, and I think I'm a big believer in, in adapting social and in any company that I'm involved in. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in that your character is divine, uh, defined when your back is against the wall. Yeah, it's not defined right? when things are going fucking great. Yeah. Right. And yeah, easy to lead when things are going good, right? <laughs> yeah, because anybody when it's when it's a good day, it's easy for anybody. But um, I think in those situations, as a leader, right? You know, we call it championship leadership, right? Um, being a leader is not about being liked. Being a leader is about getting results through people and being mm -hmm. respected. And yeah. I think that's why when you look at most leaders, they're assholes or they're dicks. And <laughs> and you look at them and you're like, what the fuck? But when you when you really analyze leadership in its truest form, you look at Steve Jobs, the most successful company on planet Earth right now, yeah. with the most cash in hand, is Apple. Yeah. There are people who revere Steve Jobs because of his success. The people that worked for Steve Jobs, in most cases, respected him, but feared the fuck out of that guy and yeah, probably didn't right. like him because yeah. at the end of the day, he was about results. And the thing I want to talk about, at least from my perspective, what I had to learn in my career. I'm a natural and I'll call it recovering people pleaser. Yeah. I love being liked. I want everyone to be oh, happy yeah, with right? me. I don't want anybody to be mad at me. And most of my career, I focus on people liking me and my team. And what I realized over time is that that's the opposite of leadership. When you're not holding people accountable because you want them to like you, you are literally royally fucking yourself and your team member because you're hiding feedback and you're what we call LHFing. You're lying, hiding, and faking as opposed to being straight up. So we here practice not LHFing and being fucking real people. Love we're it. like, if something's up, right? Nate, if you and I are in a position and you didn't perform well on something, I'm going to have a sidebar with you. and put you aside and be like, Nate, listen, you know, we started this podcast off and you did X, right? And and you're better than that. What, why didn't you do X, right? What happened there? And, and it might be an uncomfortable conversation, but that's my job as a leader is to have yeah. uncomfortable conversations that are going to drive peak performance. And when you're a better performer and you're getting better results as a team member, you're going to make more money. You're going to have more impact. Yeah. You're going to feel more fulfillment. Right. So I just wanted to share that bit because over my career, if you were to ask me when it comes to leadership, what was my biggest you know, takeaway? See, I'm even asking myself my own questions here, Nate. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so Nate's going to have me host this podcast next week. <laughs> but, um, but one of the things, though, you know, that, that I think most leaders need to realize, and I'm still on my journey, man. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I don't care anymore about being liked. I would rather have somebody become the best version of themselves than me be hiding feedback or the reality of the situation and the gravity of each situation um, to save me from having to be in an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the separator between a championship leader and somebody who is an okay leader. An okay leader is somebody who's going to not tell you everything you need to hear, not hold you accountable, yep. and be somebody who is just a fair weather leader. Whereas a championship leader is going to drive your ass into, you know, better performance so that you can be a better performer and grow in your career. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, man. I love it. I appreciate you hosting the show too and being <laughs> the guest at the same time. <laughs> well, tell, tell um, so Adapting Social, so is that the company that you started 
yeah. when you were in high school that you still do yeah. today? And how has it evolved? Like, what does it look like today? Yeah, man. So, so we're so adapting social right. So we're focused. We help businesses, you know, in 20 countries now, um, build their revenue and build their brand equity. In the market we live in right now, especially small business focused, a lot of these small businesses are trying to do ads themselves, trying to do social themselves. They're trying to they hire agencies. They're not getting results. They they throw money to the fire pit. I call it. And and then and done that. yeah. And then what happens, right? Like you you have big talk and low results, right? Mm-hmm. And no accountability. One of the things that I focused on, I learned early because it was just me, right? And I didn't just have a bunch of people doing work for me. I had to go out there and, and, and you know, get the scars and get the battle wounds and like not getting results for clients, not getting results yeah. for myself. So one of the biggest things that we focused on over the past 15 years is like, listen, we're only in a partnership with any business that we work with. And, and it is a partnership. It's not a client relationship. It's a partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to bring something to the table to, in order sure. to scale. But we're here to build revenue, right? And maximize revenue and look at where are we wasting where could we be growing and who's our competitors and who's taking money off our table right now from our families and then how can we be the, the thought process behind us in our industry if somebody's looking for, for for websites or marketing and stuff we do a big 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 effort towards making sure they think about us and so mm-hmm. for our clients we do the same thing we're very competitive in that nature too like when we're working with clients whoever your competition is that's keeping me up at night right yeah, i gotta yeah. be your asses too yeah. so anyway you know, we at this point in time, you know, help our, our clients, you know, like I said, in 20 countries, scale their businesses, um, you know, through, you know, their website user experiences, all the way through marketing and, and getting lead acquisition and revenue through that door, you know, managing that social to build a huge brand equity in their marketplace, and then automating and streamlining. I think one of the biggest things that we've, we've focused on, especially over the past seven years, is that businesses, they, like business owners, we want more leads, we want to make more money, right? But when it comes to putting in the work, a lot of times we get fucking lazy. So one of the things yeah. that we did over the years is say, I don't want to leave room for anybody to have the, the room for human error on a sales team or whatever. So a lot of what we do to make sure that we are building revenue is we we put automation technology into everything we do. So a quick example, we worked with this guy out of Georgia. And this guy out of Georgia, you know, had a contracting company. Started working with him. I think he was doing about like half a million a year, you know, in gross revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I was like, what's your dream? What do you want to be doing? What's the goal here? He's like, I want to do, I want to cross a million. I want to net half a million. Great. Because we get, we get big on revenue. So great. Cool. No problem. So year two, I think we got him to about 3.5 million netting over a million. And, wow. and, and we've been working for a while now. Now he's netting over yeah. 10 million a year. Yeah. But like, that's what we do, right? Like, yeah. and we do that. We're in every single vertical, right? So like the one thing about adapting socials, we never were like, oh, hey, you know, we just want to work on insurance or on real estate or on this. Yeah. We love smart, intelligent marketing and getting a consumer to be inspired to take that next step. Um, but the way the company looks now, you know, it started just me, obviously, no, no revenue, no funding, you know, just me, myself and I. Um, and now, you know, like I said, you know, we have, you know, a little bit over 50 team members, you know, uh, throughout, you know, multiple states throughout the country. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you know, because we, because of COVID, we decided, hey, listen, you know, we need big talent. I want it in Cali. I want it in yeah, right. Colorado. So limit, eliminated just having to be in person, um, and yeah, in twenty you know twenty countries now, and you know we we what we do at Adapting Social, we changed our ethos after this most recent conference that we had every year, um, but this most recent one in twenty twenty three, we just got back from it two weeks ago, and our job is to serve small businesses, their families, their employees, and their communities that they serve, mm-hmm. and, and how do we do that? And we do that by by bringing revenue to their doors and building brand equity so people know who they are. Uh, but in a very big nutshell, that's, that's where we are. And that's, that's incredible. Yeah. 
Um, man, you guys got a, you got a cool story. So Thanks. what's it? Yeah. It's awesome. It's, I love it. What's, uh, I know we've, we've, we've talked, we've hit on a lot of the things that I would typically talk about already, but, um, I do always like to ask this question. What, what is, you know, think of a critical moment for you. And obviously I would, I would think that one of the the major critical moments you've already shared with your, with your father and uh, you know, facing foreclosure in your home and, and creating what you've created to go out and, and to help, um, you know, help your family at, at such a young age. Uh, but yeah, we, I think we have a lot of different critical moments in our life, kind of this fork in the road moments yeah. where we're trying to figure out which way do I go left, right. You know, and the listener right, right. now, especially the last few years, difficult times, you know, there's a good chance that there's a listener out there in that moment right now, trying to decide which way is the way that they should go. And, and I think there's power in hearing from each guest and how they have chose in those moments. So maybe yeah. there's a time where you did choose what you did which has you where you are today, but you could have been very different place. Had you not. Um, there but, is, right, I, I awesome. have, I think of a critical moment instantly um, in 20. So before the pandemic, okay. it was 2018 going into 2019, you know, we had a, a lot of clients at one point drop at the same time. Right. Um, yeah. And again, in my business, I have a lot of team members. So like I, I have a lot of overhead, right? Yeah. So the one thing w- w- for anybody listening in, like, again, as you probably can relate, if you're a business owner, <laughs> expenses always go up, but sometimes revenue can fluctuate, right? Right. So in rev- and, and a lot of times expenses, you know, if you're lucky are predictable and, and fixed, uh, but not everybody has that. So anyway, I had a bunch of client shop in 2018, 2019. Um, and uh, wow, it was like, it was like a, a tornado at once. And I found mm-hmm. myself having to put my own personal savings into payroll. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're at a point where, you know, we hit, you know, I, I've always had like this like nest egg that I've built up since I was like 17. Um, and I've never had to tap. Is into that tight? You think th- is that tied back to because of what happened to your parents? You think? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right. And so, boom, I had this thing over there on the side, right. Never touched it. Didn't even look at it. Right. And just kept feeding it though. And, um, yeah. and so boom, I hit a point where, wow, I was starting to dip into that. And when you have a big team like this, you know, payrolls are not, you know, they're, they're not just 50 K hundred K they're not just 200 K they go up. Right. So, you know, so I'm sitting here and I'm like, damn, like I'm dipping in in a big way. And I had a point where I was like, holy shit, like, you know, in the next few months, this could dry up that well, if I don't, you know, figure this out and the path that I took, which there's two things that took away from it, right? Is one as a business, you're in business to be profitable. I don't care mm-hmm. if you're a passion project person, I don't care who you are, what you do. You know, a lot of most business, most businesses, I'll even just say in the United States, year over year, don't make any money, right? They just skim by enough so they don't have to pay taxes and shit. Some people get creative so they don't have to pay taxes in certain ways, which is great. Um, but a lot of people don't make the money that they're putting in, in the effort. They don't get to enjoy the fruits of labor. You, you business could be a vacuum. So yeah. when you're, when you, at the time it was for me, like I have my, all my energy, all my time, all my focus wasn't ever with my wife, you know, it was always just out, out, out working, working, flying here, going there. Um, and you know, again, at this point in time, you know, putting money into the business too. And, um, you know, I said to myself, I, I, I made a decision at that point in time. I said, listen, I said, I'm here 
to, because if, if the business isn't making enough money, that means I'm not going to be able to pay my people more and help them scale and do more things. And I'm going to put more into softwares and development and research and all these big things. And, and ultimately, you know, feed myself, right? Like, um, like we're doing what we're doing as entrepreneurs because we want to do it on our way. It's number one, but number two, so we don't have to tell, yeah, somebody tell you, oh, you know, here's your paycheck. So ultimately, I decided then and there, this is not just like fun and games anymore. Like I have to get analytical. I have to get very financial. I have to get very deep into all these different things. And I learned so much about, like I could be a CFO, literally, mm-hmm. like, no joke. Like, you know, and, and, and one of the biggest, biggest things that I learned, and this is a good, good little quote for anybody listening, is expenses are like fingernails. You should be clipping them often. I love that. Yeah. You need to clip them often. They're <laughs> going to grow. They're going to grow back. Yeah. But you need to fucking clip expenses regularly. Every month, my wife is my CFO. Yeah. Every month we sit down, we look at what can we cut? What can we cut? What can we cut? What can we cut? Like, mm-hmm. and that was my learning part there because I was spending all this money on this, spending all this money on this. You know, I had this crazy 6,000 square foot, you know, building, you know, it was epic. It was like our keystone building at the time. You know, we had over 40 people in it at any given time and, you know, clients coming in, podcasts happening. Like it was just this crazy, awesome environment, but it was just draining revenue. Right. Yeah. And so you look at like what's necessary, right? Like in business, you have to think of the necessity. So that's number one. Number one thing is, is expenses or fingernails. Clip them. Clip them bitches. Okay. Clip number two, it. number two was I need to find somebody who has gone where I want to go. Right. And the analogy that I use from Ray Dalio's principles, book yeah. principles mm-hmm. is, you know, if you're going to go, if I'm, if you and I need are going to go through this jungle in Africa, right. And there's two tour guides in front of the jungle, right. And we walk up to it and person a has been through the jungle a million times, but he's yeah. more expensive. And then person B has been there once or twice, but he's less expensive. Right. It's yeah. like most people, right. Logically go, I'm going the cheaper guy. Right. Yeah. But what I had to realize is that you need mentors, you need coaches around you that yes. have been to where you want to go. And that's part of being a good leader is downloading somebody who has been, you know, through this, you know, through this world, 20, 30 years, 15 years, whatever it is. And they're going to download 30 years to you in a yeah. year. Yeah. So I hired, you know, my coach at that time. Um, one of the best things I ever did He's still my executive coach today. But I think not enough leaders invest in themselves to the point where, you know, yeah, it might be uncomfortable. At that time, I was losing money and I still hired a coach. I was like, I need to yeah. get out of this. Yeah, and yeah. I, I also hired some other experts around me in the business, right? Yeah. To give me some light and give me some guidance. So ultimately, you know, those are the two biggest things for me is that you have to get like in business sometimes. You have to look at it like this is, yes, this is a business, not just fun and games. Because right. you're also, you, you're, you're either success or lack of it is directly going to impact all the team members that you have. So give a big team, like, you know, like 30, 40 people at the time, like I had about 20 people at that time, um, you know, that's their job. That's how they're paying their bills. That's how they're doing whatever. Right. So um, you have to take business very seriously. And I've always laughed and been like a funny, in my personal life, Nate, I'm a goofball. I love joking yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. I'm a work hard, party hard guy. I like to fucking have a nice cocktail and party yeah. with my friends. But in business, what that taught me is you have to find your mentor and you have to also find, you know, that seriousness in you. And you need to know, I think every business owner needs to know financial literacy, the point to where, you know, your business inside and out, as well as the, the art and what you're doing. Yeah. You know, right. Those two things have to be married if you're going to be successful. Yeah. 
Man, that's awesome. That's that's a great way to to uh, wrap up what we're doing here today, and and uh, some some incredible, uh, I would say, tips or principles for business owners as well. Right there, uh, out of that critical moment that you faced back in 2018. So, uh, what's what's the best way that is there a main channel or the best way to connect with you and adapting social and and what you guys yeah. are all about? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to engage with us to to scale your business and get that revenue up, um, it's adaptingsocial.com or the at adaptingsocial on all, all platforms: LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Um, me personally, I'm at v Johnny uh, with one N J O H N Y V J O H N Y V Johnny on Instagram, um, and LinkedIn just John Bagaro. Um, but I will leave you with one quote though. Yeah, let's do it. I'll leave you the quote here. So one of the things that um, when I was starting the business, I didn't have any mentors that I shared with you. I was like, I want to find a quote that can really just like, I it could resonate with me while I'm going through all this shit right now. And the quote I want to finding, I, I put, and I, I put in my parents where at the time I was living in the basement, I put it next to my bed and I put it in the bathroom. So when I brushed my teeth every morning and every night, I saw it shower, ever yeah. went to bed. I was looking at it every, every day. When I woke up, went to bed, the quote read, live a few years of your life. Like most people won't. So you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. Mm. And, and to unpack that as a leader, or as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to understand that in leadership and in entrepreneurship, it's not about you, right? When you're a leader, when you're an entrepreneur, even though you want to make more money or you want to do bigger things or whatever you want to serve, it's about serving. It's about yeah. you have to struggle before you emerge in anything. And I took that deeply into everything I do. So when I started different ventures, when I invest in different companies, I know that I'm going to have to fucking struggle before I'm ever going to go out to the other side and be like this, like, you know, successful person. And that's an ingredient. That's why life is designed that way. You have to earn success and success is like rent. It's due every month. It is not fixed, right? You have to pay rent to your success. Success is never, it's always rented. It's never just earned. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. There's people who are trust fund babies that went through all their money and guess what? They're not successful anymore, right? Yeah. You have to keep coming back to the table as an entrepreneur and as a leader because success is due every time you put that hat on. Yeah. And I just think it's so important people listening here think that way, um, you know, about the leadership journey and their entrepreneurship journey. Man, we just got two quotes there. So I like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, over over delivering. Uh, so Great, man. that's what I like to do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, John. This has been awesome. So I've, I've enjoyed our time. And uh, for the listener, I know you have as well. And if you want more just like this, uh, don't go anywhere. Stay for the next episode. Thanks again, John. Thank you. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. Look, I said it, then I meant it, I 
Championship Leadership Podcast. Hey Bailey. Championship, championship, champion, championship leadership podcast. Championship leadership podcast. With Nate Bailey.